use on our adoption, but I'm not going to use my platform whatsoever to shamelessly talk about it. Um, but uh, um, yes, I am. Um, many, many of you guys have been following, tracking along with us, and uh, and, and, and and this adoption process. This past week, we accepted a referral, and that's him right there. Um, this is uh, the little boy that um, that is in an orphanage in China right now, um, and uh, we are thrilled to know him that God has chosen to make him our son. So we are going to be going through the process of getting him. This Chinese name is Qing Zai Den, and I'll let you guys decide for that if you want. Um, but uh, it's interesting that we had a name for a girl. We didn't know if we were going to have a boy or a girl. We had, we had a name for a girl just like this. Uh, I mean, it was just really incredible. Mei Li, M-E-I-L-I. We want to keep part of the Chinese. M-E-I-L-I. Mei Li means beautiful and gracious in Chinese. And uh, we thought, that's a really cool name, Mei Li. So we immediately had this name. Sometime back, we, the, the, the name that Athena and I only land on was, uh, for a boy was Zion. Uh, the, it's a biblical name, it's uh, kind of cool, but uh, Zion, and, uh, but we had nothing beyond that, and uh, when we got his referral, it was at one time we thought maybe we were going to get a girl, we had such a clear girl's name, and, uh, and so his name is King Zai Ben, interestingly enough, Z-I is a part of his name, we had Zion picked out, because of all these kids that, you know, you could have a referral, and so then, in further review, Zai means beautiful and gracious in Chinese. That's a good response there. Um, isn't that amazing how God does that stuff? That He knows us by name. And so that was the name that the orphanage gave him, but we will call him Zai Benjamin Jarman, beautiful, gracious, son of my right hand. He is no longer unwanted, but he's part of the family. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the story for all of us. I'll talk about more of that in a few weeks. I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, thank you guys for your, I won't share that with you. Thank you for your prayers and support. A lot of people ask, and we just, it really means a lot to us that you have partnered with us in this journey and come alongside of us. And uh, we just uh, really thank you and, and encourage you to continue to pray for us and pray for time. And, uh, and so, just thank you so much from the bottom of my heart uh, for joining us. And so this week and next week, Business Sunday, um, again, this is more than an identity. You know, a lot of times churches or maybe even corporations do these things called, you know, what's your vision, what's your mission statement, and all of those are important. And it's more than just giving you an identity. It's an invitation, though, that in the body of Christ, it's people who follow Christ. Um, and if you're new here today, uh, you know, this is as much for you because it was an invitation to us to follow Jesus, to give our hearts. And you heard these words this morning, and, and, and there's an invitation to us to follow the Lord. And more than just an identity, again, who we are, it's an invitation um, for us to play a part in the church and the body of Christ. You're called to be a part of His kingdom on the earth. And it's a huge kingdom, it's an eternal kingdom. It's a kingdom that surpasses temporary things. This earth will pass away. We will pass away. 
but the kingdom of God will last forever, and us belonging to the Lord, eternal life will last forever. We live beyond this life, but this life and this earthly life is more to it than just here. And we are called while we are here to be a part of something greater than ourselves to follow Jesus. And so, I'm going to shoot through our mission, our mission and uh, mission essentials uh, really quick. Most of you have heard this. If you want more of this in depth, this will be some of the stuff that we're going to talk about in that discovery class. I encourage you to come to that. But um, yeah, go back once, uh, Taylor, sorry about that. But our, our mission becomes fully devoted followers of Jesus and lead others to Him. Simply to, to, for our, us ourselves to follow Christ and then to lead others to follow Him. Um, our, our vision statement, we said, we reach up to God and life follow Him. That means just loving Him with everything that we are. Giving Him our lives, surrendering our hearts, reaching out to others with the life transforming message of Jesus Christ. We believe that there is one way we get our train, our life transformed and changed, and that we were going the old way and we were going the new way, and it is through Jesus Christ. And we do that by, and uh, I'll get through these a few times before the next one. These are our mission essentials. Complete devotion to God. Um, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That's what Jesus said. Love God with everything. Are you all in? We are created to go all in. Not just be a Sunday Christian, not just compartmentalize in Christianity, but to follow Him every day. Uh, intimacy with Christ. That means we are created to, to be loved by God, a relationship with Christ. Not just a, a rules follower, not just a commandment follower, but we love Him and are loved by Him, and we reveal that love to others. Um, and that's three, that we live to reveal Christ to others, sharing the good news with our words and our actions. Uh, four is we call um, our, our, our church to be faithful stewards, stewards being managers. What are you doing with what God has given you? We are, we are to be faithful managers of everything He's given us. He's the owner, we own, and that's the revelation. Um, number five, walking, as we're walking with Christ, we'll be walking by the character and integrity of uh, the righteous man walks in integrity. And look at that, it says his children are blessed after him. When we walk in character and integrity, we're walking in the things of God and we're becoming more like Christ. It affects our kids, it affects everybody around us. It's a ripple effect. Let's do the next one. Six, we believe God has a purpose for each life, and we want you to find that purpose for we want you to find why God put you on this earth because we were all here uh, for a reason and a purpose. It's not an accident in this room. There's not an afterthought in this room. You are created with purpose, and we want to help you find that purpose. Number seven, unity is non-negotiable. It is an essential part of being a Christian is to be unified with each other, that we love each other, we forgive each other. Talk a little bit more about how we are a big, broken family. Welcome. But we need unity, and that means loving each other, forgiving each other. And Jesus said the implications of unity are huge, that people would know about the gospel by our unity and our love for one another. Let's go to the next one. That's the big one. It's got a big picture, but it's we will be intentionally reach out to those who are far away from Christ, who don't know Christ. And Paul, here's Paul leverages everything to the law in this passage. He said, even though I'm not a free man, no matter I'm a slave, I'll be able to bring many to Christ, right? He said, I, that is my mission. When Paul got the revelation of who Jesus was, remember, he, he was a Pharisee. He was an Old Testament um, Pharisee law keeper, and then he ran into Jesus, and Jesus won and changed his life forever. 
And he was on a mission to spread and to unique Christ, to come into Christ, and he wanted people to come to Christ. He said, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. In other words, I found common ground with them. I'd reach out to them. When I was with the, those who followed the Jewish law, I lived two under that law, even though I'm not subject to the law, I didn't start to bring to Christ those who were under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles and not following Jewish law, I live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But even though I know the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. When I'm those who are weak, I share their weaknesses, so I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I'm find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some, to do everything to spread the good news and all of its blessings. In other words, what is Paul says is to leverage everything for the kingdom of God. The good news is not to be just for us, it's to be given away. And he said, I still follow the law of Christ. Now, in other words, if we still follow the standards. In other words, we, we, we will change our methods to reach out. We will be creative to reach out, to love people, to get beyond the four walls of this place. This is not the church, by the way, if you were wondering. We are the church. And we will do creative things to reach out to people. We won't compromise the message. We won't compromise our lives. But we will uh, change our methods and we will reach out people that are far away from God. Let's go to the next slide. And then we will be contributors, not consumers. Guys, if you are following Christ, you are not intended to just be a caregiver and just come in Sunday morning, sit down, and then leave. You are, you are called to be a contributing member. That's why Jesus said, or Paul said, we are part of the body of Christ, that we are supposed to function and have a part. You're together to make up the part of Christ's body. There was never any idea or any uh, words in the New Testament for an inactive person who followed Jesus. If you followed Jesus, you were an active member of the church, doing the things that the church is called to the activities, the reaching out, the loving of each other. And then 10 is we will be known more for what we are for than what we are against. Amen? That doesn't mean that we're going to water down the message. We will preach truth. We will preach sin because I'm a sinner that needs Jesus. And we will, we will not water down the message, but we're going to trumpet that Jesus is the answer, what we are for instead of what we are against. Instead of this, we are against that. Here's what we are for. Because ultimately, when we declare who we are, what we are for, people will understand that we have a stance on certain issues because it is to follow Jesus. Again, if you want more about that, come to the class. And so we're going to move in again. That was quick, but I want you to look at uh, Jesus before he ascended. We're going to go to the next passage of scripture, and we're going to talk about the church today and the, and, and the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. This invitation to each one of us to be a part of this and what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying this. You remember, he, he died, you know, we talk about, you know, he died on the cross to give his life to, as a ransom for us. He died for our sins. Then he was in the grave for me. He rose again. He was actually around some of his followers. And this passage right here, he, he's about to ascend to heaven. He's about to go away. And he's telling them, he says, go into Jerusalem, find this room. Um, he's talking about Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. And he is making this promise um, to them because he's about to leave. And in Acts 1 he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say this telling people, read that. Telling people about me everywhere. You will receive power. Power to what? To tell people everywhere about me. 
That's the, the purpose of the power of God. That's the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. He's sitting there prophesying what's getting ready to happen in Acts 2. He said, you're going to go up there and you're going to receive power, but that power is not intended to turn in on itself and show and, and people how powerful you are. It's not to showcase your gifts. It's not to showcase uh, how incredible you are. It is to give you power to tell people everywhere about me. And so he's telling them. And then you understand, and here's the story. Remember, Jesus goes up, and they're watching him ascend, and he's leaving, and all of the followers are around, and they're watching him. He'd already risen from the dead. He'd spent about 40 days with them, and they're watching him go up. And you can, you can almost feel their concern. Where are you going? I mean, because the Bible tells us that an angel uh, comes to them and says, why are you standing here gazing? After you know, the part of it is like, wow, this is maybe really cool, and oh no, what are they going to do without you? You're leaving. But remember, Jesus has said, "He said it's good that I go away because I'm going to send the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and He's going to give you power. He's going to be my Spirit in you to have power to be my witnesses, to to be able to live like Christ." And so he gives us power to become like Christ and to testify and tell people about Jesus. But so they're, they're going, oh no, what do we do? And so they just have his word. They just say, okay, let's all go. They go into this upper room. And we, we have an Acts to this upper room experience where um, it says, on the day of Pentecost, and there were many people that were gathered in Jerusalem, a lot of people from the region, a lot of different people groups, a lot of different languages that were spoken, but all these people are kind of gathering into Jerusalem because it's, it's one of the Old Testament pieces, the Feast of Pentecost, right? It says on the day of Pentecost, it says all of a sudden in the room where they were in, and they were in this upper room, it says that there began to be a, this wind that came in the room. Okay, if you're indoors and you're feeling wind, something pretty cool is happening. It says the wind of God, the kind of power of God is coming, um, and it said that upon the tops of their heads, it would look like it looked like little flames of fire, um, not to, you know, not like real, not real fire, but it was a spiritual thing that was happening. And, and they see, and it, I mean, this is like quite a supernatural phenomenon going on. And the Holy Spirit comes in. They says they begin to speak with other languages, other tongues, the languages of the people. All God had brought these people into Jerusalem the day of Pentecost, and they began not having any prior knowledge of those languages, they begin to declare the gospel of Jesus in the languages of the people. And so let's look at the next slide, Acts 2. So at that time, so I just kind of gave you the precursor, that at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And you looked too. Wind in the house. Uh, let's go. Uh, we're going to check that out. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, and there's this list. I'm not going to read, and I didn't put it up there, but it, 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 they're listing off all of these people groups that are around. Both Jews and converts, Judaism, Cretans, there. And we all hear these speaking, people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God did. What is the wonderful thing God did? He sent Jesus to save me and you. He sent Christ, the good news. 
And they're declaring it in these languages that they did not know before. And they stood there amazed and perplexed, what can this mean, they asked each other. And that day is the birthday of the church. It begins. Because of what happened in that room, this phenomenon that happened, that's, that's the reason why we're sitting in this room this morning. We are here because of what happened there. And this mission has continued on and on and on and from, from, from that time. The mission of Christ, the mission of the church, began that day and it continues. And here's the, and, and, then, and I'm not going to get into uh, reading what happened, but well, here, here's what happened. But many people, 3,000 people accepted Christ that day. Peter preaches the message and they're like, whoa, what do we have to do? He says, repent, be baptized. And they begin to follow Christ. And you've got to understand, in that day, what was going on. There was a lot of persecution. Um, a lot of people were rejecting Christ. He's not the Messiah. And so there was a lot of persecution. So you saw a great move of God and people responding to Christ and coming to Christ and repenting of their sins and the old life and coming to Christ. And then there were many people that were angry at them. And you saw um, all of a sudden, you know, this, this, this kind of both things happening at once. Persecution, the church, building People were being arrested for their faith. People were being killed for their faith. And so there's this warfare that was happening, and the people were meeting together, and they would do it at home because you know, the, the synagogue or the church of the day would have rejected them because they were adhering to Christ as Messiah. And so at the end of Acts 2, they were meeting in homes, and they were saying they were, they were adhering to the Word of God and the teaching and the teaching of the apostles. In other words, the apostles were saying, you know all that stuff in the Old Testament that talked about the Messiah? It's Jesus. All that stuff that we learned, it's all about Jesus. He's here. And so they were learning the Word of God. They were learning that Jesus fulfilled the Scriptures. And it, they were they were sharing meals together. And they were loving each other. And they were sharing with each other. And it says that, 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 that the Lord was adding to their number. It was exploding. And so this little wildfire that happened of flames over their head and wind was kind of almost like a brush fire that was happening. And a lot of people were coming to know Christ. But you saw a lot of things happening, persecution, and um, and people coming to know the Lord. And so this birthday of the church, the church, the church, the kingdom of God. You know, the church is it's the third greatest institution created by God to reveal the God. The first two, the first one is marriage. Remember when God saw Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone until he gave him a suitable helper. He gave him a woman. Marriage. But again, that was a temporary thing because Jesus said we wouldn't be married in heaven. So even God giving that gift of marriage, he said, this is not an eternal thing, but it's going to reveal an eternal truth. And that's why Paul said that this idea of marriage is about the gospel. It reveals the gospel because one of the names of Jesus is the bridegroom. If marriage is a revelation of the gospel and how Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the bride, not a gender thing. That's we are the people of God or the bride of Christ. Second institution God gave to reveal the gospel is the family. 
So out of that union, there were children to reveal the gospel. Because ultimately, when Jesus came into the Old Testament, you know, Jesus, Jesus brought together, he reconciled God and man. Because before that, God could not come into contact with sinful man. And so that's why in the Old Testament, said he would raise up leaders and prophets he would speak to. But Jesus came and changed all that, that we could approach God. In fact, Jesus said, here's how you should pray. You should pray, our Father. What was he doing? He said, God loves you like a father. And I'm here to reveal that. And so family reveals the gospel. And then the third great institution created by God was the church. The church. We are the family of God. Right? We are the family of God. And we get to reveal the gospel to the world. We're a big, broken, dysfunctional family. Welcome if you are new. Wanted to hear that. You know, I was talking to a leader that said, you know, you hear people talk about, well, our family was dysfunctional, and we had to just, we're all dysfunctional. We're all broken. That's the real revelation that we need to save with. And the church is no different. We come in here with our issues and our things and our lives and our brokenness and things that happened in our past and maybe things that are happening right now, but what we do is we're all on a journey together because we need Jesus. We're going to run towards Jesus together. Because he's the restorer of brokenness. He's the healer of my heart. And so the church, God, and your God, God creates the church to reveal the gospel. Jesus leaves and says, we'll leave it with you guys. I'm not going to leave you alone because the Holy Spirit's going to give you power. And that's why I encourage you guys, make a daily practice of praying to the Holy Spirit. We miss the power of the third person of the guy. You know, we talk to you, we talk to God, talk to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me power to be your witness, give me power to live like Christ, give me power to overcome. We should tap into the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus leaves. Jesus goes up, the Holy Spirit comes down, the church goes out, and the law come in. That's the church to reveal the gospel. We live in a time of great distress, if you haven't noticed. We live in a time of hopelessness. We live in a time where people are searching. And I know that, you know, since the beginning of the church, there's been distress probably in every generation. There were people in the first century thought that they were the end times because of the things that were happening. In more current um, uh, history, there were people in the World War II that thought we were in the end times. They thought the rise of Hitler and the Jews and all of what was going on, they thought this is the end. There were preachers of the day saying, we are the end times, get right with God, Jesus is coming back at any second. And it came and went. So we don't know when Christ is going to return, but we live in a time of great distress. There's many things that are happening. But here's what is happening. It is actually it's a prophecy from Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. It says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So that which cannot be shaken will remain. And it says you live in a kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. You want to know what can't be shaken? Jesus and His kingdom. The church of the Lord Jesus is following Christ cannot be shaken. And that's why the prophecy was in Hebrews 12, and everything that can be taken will be taken. And so those things that we grab to for hope and trust and, and, and security, he said, those things are going to be taken. Because what I don't want you to do is get so attached to some things of this world and the institutions of this world and that you miss out on that Jesus is the unshakable one that you need. Everything that can be taken will be taken. Doesn't matter if you win that $1.3 billion 
Powerball. Most people don't win those. In destitute and depressed. It's not the answer. But we all dream of what will we do with you know, and we think about that. It will not bring you true happiness. It will bring you temporary happiness. If you give me one, two, three, I, I would have some fun for a while. I can tell you that. Not that I'm playing the Powerball, so be careful. But everything that can be taken will be taken. So that which cannot be taken will remain. We are the church. We belong to an unshakable kingdom. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I've said this before, but if your church is being shaken and it's being torn apart, and you have disunity, and you have grumbling and claiming, and you have then there's something wrong, then that means that Jesus is not building the church. It's not his church if it's being broken apart. Because he said that if he built his church, the gates of hell will not prevail. So we are in a victorious place. The church. We are carriers of the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom is in you. It's among you. This church, the institution created by God to reveal the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus to lost people, hurting people, broken people. You know why? Because we're that. We are that. And so these earthly things, these earthly institutions are being shaken like never before. These realms, the political realm. You not notice there's a little bit of hyperactivity in the political realm, if you notice. No matter what side of the fence you're on, it's crazy. Crazier than it's probably ever been. Because folks, let me, let me admonish you, and you should vote, you should be a part of the democratic process of our nation, but if you are looking for a party to be the answer that you are looking for, you are looking in the wrong place. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green, Blue, Silver, whatever you might be. Jesus is the answer. And there's a shake up going on in the political realm, and people are getting with all this stuff, and people talking about, oh, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Say, so, yes, Lord, raise up godly leaders, and I will vote, but we're going to fix our eyes on you because it's a, it's a, it's a realm that's going to be shaken. The economical realm is shaken. Right now. People are in fear. What's going to happen in the economy? We are the people of God. We should be leading the way in generosity and giving to the poor and giving to the church and saying, we're not going to be moved by the shaking going on because we live in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The social fear, all of the stuff that the violence that's going on, and police versus this and that, and all these inner cities and, and the unrest. Why is this happening? Because Jesus is wanting to reveal that His kingdom is the kingdom of God shaken. And He wants to gather people and say, the social fear and trying to change and social justice issues. And yes, we should be a part of that in the name of Jesus, but we should begin in the place of the church and following Christ and say, what are you saying? You need to be Lord and not us. So all these things are shaking. And God's allowing it to shake. So, in Jesus' time, where are you building your house? Is it on the rock or is it on the sand? So, the word that I'm getting this year, and every year I pray kind of for the new year, and I'm like, God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to say to the church? Again, this is more than just the youth, but it's much for me as anybody. 
And the word I'm getting this year, I'm going to show you, um, go to the next slide, and, um, is awakening. And I believe God wants to awaken our hearts to the things of God. He wants to wake us up. He wants to rouse us. And there's the definition to rouse us away. It's a quickening. It's a revival. It's the, the act of awakening from sleep. It's, it's a realization. It's the illumination. It's like when you hear, you know, how the light goes on. And that which you did not know, or maybe that you knew before, all of a sudden comes. Oh, that's it. And we have those times in our lives and, 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 and different ways. And, and I mean, it can happen outside of, you know, spiritual things. But I'm talking about a spiritual awakening that we see God for who He is, that we maybe read a passage of Scripture, maybe that we've heard, and all of a sudden, something happens that awakens our heart to say, God, that's who you are, and that's who I am in you. We need an awakening like never before to be enlightened to the things of God. And I'm praying for an awakening in my own heart. I want to be awakened to the things of God in my own life. And we, so it begins with us that we say, God, awaken us Show us who you are. I want to go from here to here, and I want to be awakened that leads me to a place of action and transformation. Because it's more than just being awakened, but God wants to transform us and make us more like Jesus. You know, the idea here is that you have been going along and, and you've been doing this, and all of a sudden, again, there's an illumination, a light comes on and it changes something. It was my story when I was 19 years old, and I had grown up in the church, almost literally in the church. Uh, we were there all the time, and I grew up around religion and morality and, you know, the fear of hell instead of loving God. And, and, and when I was 19, I was very cynical. I thought I knew everything. You know, 19-year-olds, we know all things. So we're pretty omniscient. Um, and I just thought I knew everything, and I, I was very cynical of the church, and I hit hypocrites, and, and I'd seen a lot of stuff that was happening. And God brought me to a, a crossroads, and, 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 and I, I had a moment, I had an illumination, I had an awakening. And again, the awakening is just the light coming on, and I had to take some steps toward it, because... What happened was the Lord revealed to me something about Himself in a new way, and, and, and it drove me to say, "Okay, Lord, whatever." I didn't say what I was raised with. I was legalism and, 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 and religion and morality and just this and that, and then I was afraid to go to hell. But, but Lord, there was something authentic about Jesus, and something real about Jesus, and I want that. And there was an awakening in my heart that I look back and I say, "God, thank you." that I obeyed. And I walked with you. Again, not that I walked up for you, but I just began to choose to say, Lord, I want to know you. Guys, God wants to awaken us. And there is that awakening that we have to salvation when we come to know Christ. You've never, you've never given your life to Christ, but you've never Confess Jesus the Lord, Lord, forgive me my sins. I don't want to do this alone. I need you. If you've never done that, don't wait. Do that. 
And we have the awakening unto salvation, but there there's many other things that we can be awakened to the things of God. Sometimes we believe lies. We believe things that are not true about who God is. And the enemy will plant lies and, and deceit. And, 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 you know, the old life is better. Um, your old ways are better. And you do a better job at being God than God. And, and we, we listen to those that will lead us on a wrong path. But God wants to awaken us. Even if you can believe it, God wants to awaken us. What does God want to awaken in you? What is He speaking to you? Here's some key passages, and I'm going to close today with these. So let's go to the next one. Ephesians, Paul writes, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, when you're talking to this church, this is a church that Paul planted. It's a group of believers like us. And so his letters and his prayers are as much for us. He said, Heard your faith in Lord Jesus and that you're left for all God's people. I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's awakening. To what? When you say? Somebody say it. To know Him better. The knowledge of God. God wants to awaken you to know Him better. I don't care if you've been a Christian one day or 35 years or 50 years. God wants to awaken your heart to know Him better. Because we haven't plummeted the depth of God's knowledge even if we've walked with Him for some time. He wants us to know Him more and more. So if Paul's praying that they would have an awakening, right? And then he goes on to say, to pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That you would see with new eyes. I'm praying for an awakening. So it, there again, he's awakening you. Awakening you in order to what? And so there's this, again, it's not just an awakening, like, whoa, there it is, and I see it. And he said, there's a purpose. And he said, so pray that your eyes, your heart may be light in order that you might, what? Know the hope to which he has called you. The first thing he says, I want you to have your eyes open and be awakened to where true hope is. People all over the world are looking for hope. Contentment. True joy, true peace. And Paul says, I want to awaken you that there is one place that you're going to find hope. His name is Jesus Christ. And the world needs him. Then he goes on to say, So it's hope. And he said, The riches of his glorious inheritance false holy people. In other words, you have an inheritance. Eternal life. Paul's saying, Eternal life is real. That when you die from this earth, if you belong to Jesus, you have an inheritance. That out of His glorious riches, He is preparing a place for you. Jesus said, I promise you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That you have an inheritance. And maybe not on this earth that you may not have riches or an inheritance, but if you follow Jesus, you have a glorious inheritance. And He says, I want you to be awakened to the reality of hope and eternal life. And he says, and, and then the third thing is, and his incomparably great power for us to believe. So I want you to be awakened to the power that you have in Christ. What did Jesus say? Go to the upper room and you will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be, to be able to be like Christ and to testify to everyone about who he is. And so Paul's saying, I want you to be awakened to hope, eternal life, and the power that you have to live like Christ, to be like Christ, and to share Christ. And it goes on to say at the end that, uh, that Jesus is the head of the church. It's all about him, folks. He's the head of the church. 
He has to be the head of the church. He's got to be leading us. Next passage, Romans 13. This is a hard-hitting one from Paul, too. He says, I, and do this, understanding the present time. So he says, be aware of the time that you live in, right? There's a lot of shaking going on. The hour has already come for you to what? Wake up from your slumber. What is he saying? Awaken. I'm praying for an awakening of your heart. Wake up from your slumber. Some of you have fallen asleep. And you need to be wakened. Because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. He said the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. And again, how do we do that? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to do that, to put on the armor of life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that lets us behave decently, as in bacon, not carousing, and drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, what? In the power of the Holy Spirit, we clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus and we become more like Him because it's always about Him. The awakening from your slumber to be like Jesus. He says, and don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And so this passage, Paul is saying, is urgent. There's an urgency to his heart and his call. That's why he's saying, get up from your slumber. Wake up. This is urgent. Your life, the implications of eternal life are, are huge, and your life matters, and the lives of people in this area matter. And so we need to wake up from our slumber. And it's easy just to kind of go through our day, whatever, I'll be at church on Sunday. I need to wake up from your slumber. There's an urgency to know Jesus like never before. Because, guys, we don't get to live forever. And we will stand before Christ. We are told, Paul says, everyone will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for their life. This is huge. It's more than just this life. Believe that. And then the last one is this. Okay, so those are for us. And then Jesus, after having this interaction with this woman at the well who was so, you know, leads her at this well, and she's had a horrible life. She's lived with a bunch of men. She's been married a bunch of times, and she just lived a hard, horrible life. And Jesus revealed that He is the living water that she had thirsty for. He ministers to her, and He changes everything in her heart. And He says, He just had this interaction. He said, Don't you have a saying, it's four months till the harvest? That's how you open your eyes and look at what is He saying? Awaken. Church, awaken. There are people like the woman at the well, they're, they're living out among us. He said, awaken. You have a thing that is four months to the heart. He said, I'll tell you, it is all around you. And that's why the church doesn't turn in on itself and it's all about us and it's all about our music and it's all about me and it's all about this. It is about getting the heart of Christ and sharing the love of Jesus with people who so desperately need it. You're not called as the church to become a club. Members only, keep people out. We are called to open our arms with the love of Christ, the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus. And that's what Jesus is saying. Open up your eyes, awaken church to the things that I am doing. There are people that need to use it. And so there's the awakening, and again, it begins with us what God is saying. He wants to illuminate the new ways who God is and maybe lies that we believe, maybe things that we, and, and day by day, and I'm praying and I'm asking God, and you need to ask God, Lord, awaken my heart to the things of God. And Lord, help us to remember what you are doing for others. Who He is, 
who you are in Him. Sometimes we need to be awakened to the truth of who we are that we are God's child. You see, for a long time I just thought God was just angry with me. I thought He was just this angry kind of like He just kind of tolerated me. And I've shared this before. My picture of God was that I'm playing over in the corner. He's reading the newspaper, taking care of all the world problems. And he just, every once in a while, rolls up the newspaper and locks me when I get out of line and goes back to reading the newspaper. That's kind of the picture I have of God. You know, and, and there's some people that just think God's so angry. And you know what, God, God is, there is a zeal in God that He doesn't want us to walk in sinfulness. And He calls us to Himself. He calls us into freedom. And he loves us and he wants to walk on us. So he sent Jesus Christ to the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm pouring out love upon love upon love upon you to help you to walk this out. And I tell you, one of the awakenings that I thank God so much for was that, that, that I really, and, and it was, I mean, it was while I was, and it's always when we were out in the Air Force, that God really loved me. He loved me purely. He's not the God behind the newspaper. He's actually the God who is on his knees and he's engaged with me. See, I love you. I desire you. There's a movie, I'm closing with this, there's a movie back in the early 90s. Um, some of you guys probably remember it called Awakening. Um, it's loosely based on a true story about a, um, a, a, a guy that worked with comatose patients. And he came up with a kind of a new drug that he thought maybe could help them. And, and so the movie kind of reveals what happens. And it's all these, these patients that are they're just, they're, they're just comatose. And they, I mean, their eyes are open. You know, it's like, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're hearing, maybe they maybe understand something. But they're just, you, know, they're, you guys know what I'm talking about. They're just laying there with no emotion, no expression. And he introduces a, a new drug, and, uh, and, and, and something miraculous begins to happen. They begin to come out of these comatose, catatonic you know, stages that they're in. And, then, of course, the movie tracks along with one guy who, I mean, he comes fully out of it. There is this awakening, and he is so thrilled about this. Whoa, this is amazing that... You know, that I get to live life and I get to walk and I get to do the things that I, and there's, so there's this illumination, this, you know, the light has come on and, and I've been awakened. But then the problem is this, that the drug did not have long-lasting effect. And he began to digress back into ultimately and the story is that he wanted him to test to see what was going on, but he went back into the catatonic state. And the movies, there's a victorious part of the movie because you see the awakening, and you just, you know, if you're like me, and then you get stuck into these movies, and I'm like, oh, this is it. And then when you see him going, that is so disheartening. And as I was praying, and, and, and I, this is the word of the Lord for someone, so be still, we're not going anywhere yet. I'm almost done. I felt like the Lord put that on my heart. He said, that's like many people that have been in the church. 
that you awakened and there was salvation and you said yes to Christ and life came in you and you were a new creation and there was life and there was purpose and there was zeal and there was, I'm going to be an active part of the body of Christ. I'm going to be a contributor and not a consumer. And and, and, and the things of God are coming alive and it's just that you, you are you know, devouring everything you get your hands on and who God is and I love Jesus and praying for people. And then something happened. I don't know what it was. And this is not a chronological, you know, sometimes it can be older people, sometimes it's just people. It's not always just older people. But something can happen that your heart begins to all of a sudden die and, and, and there's a transition and maybe you made it all about you and maybe you're saying, well, what are they doing for me? And it turns inward and, 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 and then the light that you once had begins to decay and you see people going and they're going to this com- almost a spiritual comatose state where they're just sitting there they just do their thing that once was alive and now they are just almost like spiritual zombies. They show up, they just do their thing, they walk, they grumble and complain and just mad about everything and I don't care about and, 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 and what is happening is the enemy has lied, the enemy has transitioned and they have gone into this and God wants to awaken the church. This is an urgent word to guard your heart, to guard your soul to the things that God wants to do. He wants to awaken the church because when you look at the Acts 2, the Acts 1 and the promise and the persecution and all that they were going through, that they were willing to give up their very lives and understanding that their life may be on the line and some of them were being oppressed and, 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 and arrested and killed for their faith. They say, it's worth it. Jesus, you are worth it. And the Lord was... It's like a wildfire that people are coming. I believe that God wants to release a day where many people are coming to know Christ again. And it can happen in America, but God wants to awaken the heart of the church. Will you stand with me? I hope you're not just excited that I'm excited. I want you to be excited too. God, help us. Lord, I pray. Lord, to, Lord, and I pray that even today, God, that you uh, use this to awaken us, that you stir us to wake up from our slumber. Jesus, that we would hear your word saying, wake up and look around. The harvest is bright, God. And that, Lord, the things that you want to do in our own hearts, God, the things that you want to stir in us to make us more like Jesus. God, that you want to reignite life that was once there. Lord, I pray, God, for us that have been in the church for many years. So, God, and I pray, Lord, that you would reignite something. That, 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 like Jesus, just to remember your first love. Remember your first love. Remember that feeling that you have. Remember that, you know, when you talk about first love and it's that, that, that stirring that you have. Remember, and it goes beyond feelings, I don't talk about just feelings, but remember what God is doing. Remember your first love. And Lord, I pray that as you awaken us, God, that we would be awakened to the things that you are doing around us, that you want to save many people. Lord, because the implications of this thing are huge. God, touch our hearts, awaken us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.